0: Hello and welcome to Emma's podcast. In today's podcast, I have somebody that I really wanted to talk to, actually. I think I even started to stalk uh, this uh, Linda. This is Linda Woman. And I'm, uh, I have with me today, and I think I started to start Linda just to get Linda with me today on my podcast. Linda has been an entrepreneur working with clients worldwide for over 25 years. Her passion and impressive track record of helping executive managers and organizations overcome barriers to success and go on to achieve their highest potential. Her expertise is developing exceptional leaders and empowering them to embody sustainable changes. And that, to me, is absolutely fantastic. So good afternoon, Linda. How are you doing today?
1: I am good. Thank you, Emma. Thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to our conversation.
0: Oh, me too. I'm so excited. So I wanted to start at the beginning because you have an impressive track record And you have done so many things through many years. I wanted to know, how did it all started? How did you get inspired to start to do what you're doing today?
1: Well, um, I think it started when I was born into a family of entrepreneurs. And I thought that I saw that nobody worked for anybody, that they were all self-employed. So I, I... I think it was in my DNA that I was going to be in my own business. And um, so that's how it all started. But I think the most important thing is I was very grateful at an early age to find out what my Dharma was and not only to know what it is, but to put it into action. So maybe for those who don't know, Dharma is is your purpose and your passion. So that's that's basically... What I did, I was able to explore and find out and figure out that my my Dharma was being of service and making a difference in the world. And the next question that came was, well, okay, how am I going to do that? Yes. So that started the whole ball rolling.
0: So when you uh, so. You mentioned that your family was entrepreneur, which is fantastic, because I believe when you're in entrepreneurship state of mind and you have children, it gives them the possibility to just say the sky is the limit. I think it helps a lot and, uh, and inspired a lot. But did you ever know that you will be doing what you're doing today? Or were you, like you said, it was at service. You wanted to be at service of others. But did you have an idea of uh, what you wanted to do at the beginning, like uh, maybe not a coach, but helping others? Or how did you got the, when you got your Dharma, how did you move forward and went on your journey?
1: That's a great question. I think I watched my mother, (laughs) believe it or not, her first, her whole focus was on health and wellness. And so I was turned on to eating well and understanding that I was responsible for my own body and my health. And I was like, wow, that's a pretty interesting awareness. Mm-hmm. And then once I was aware that I was responsible for my own health, I then realized I was responsible for my own happiness. And that's where the journey began. I started to, of course, study health and wellness because that brought me joy. I knew that I had to follow joy and passion. That just, that just was what, you know, I knew, I knew that that's what I had to do. So I, I began to study health and wellness. I, I studied herbs, became a master biologist and studied chiatsu to learn the body, um, which is oriental acupressure. And then Mm -hmm. I was able to put the whole total body, mind, spirit together and uh, share it with my patients. So that was my first business. It was called Holistic Health Consultant.
0: That is wonderful because uh, we are now more and more toward going towards holistic, which I'm very happy about it because I'm mm-hmm. on the holistic side as well. And I, I'm more holistic than modern medicine. Sorry, nothing wrong about modern medicine. But I feel that when you go to the holistic way, it's gentle approach. And I feel it's, a more, um, it's matching the body without having the side effects of pharma on the back end and it's more gentle to it too. So did you travel to learn what you've learned about the holistic side of it? Or did you just were at home and were able to talk to people around you? Did you travel over to Asia or not?
1: No, I I studied with Ohashi in New York City. So I had okay. to travel to New York to get certified in Ohashi Shiatsu. And um my herbology degree came from uh, Canada, so I moved around to to study mm-hmm. and um, I guess what happened after that, because that I did for quite a quite a while, um, my next passion was triggered when I realized that my patients were totally immersed in the past and in their pain, and I think. I decided, well, it's time to study something else to help them. And that's when I I found coaching. But before that, I went on for a BA in in human development and counseling strategies because I felt like I was inadequate here. I needed to learn something else in order to help them with all their wounds and uh, past traumas
0: it's it's a lot especially when you're talking about this aspect because it's going back to probably their childhood or even beyond the childhood what mm-hmm. they brought with them when they came here uh, or where they are born not came here but born um we all come with our own trauma and being able to help them and heal and understanding some of the processes of the healing as well. I think it's uh, it's extremely empowering and really bring the gentleness uh, of you being able to be gentle enough to help them to heal. That to me is extremely powerful to be able to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I do believe that everyone has their own answers and mm-hmm. that part of the discovery is having someone listen and help, without, you know, help to pull out the answers that that's best for them. I, you know, I believe that they're whole and healthy and resourceful on their own. And that also is the message that I was taught with my coaching background. So that, you know, as I decided to look in the, help people with their past, I, all of a sudden I got awoken to this, to this, I wanna help them create a future Mm -hmm. And that's how I got introduced to coaching. That was my next trigger of joy. And I followed that. I did a two-year program to become a coach, an executive coach.
0: So when you started this, how many, uh, is the word coaching was out there or it wasn't yet out there? (laughs) Sorry to ask. (laughs) wasn't there yet (laughs) exactly so how did you it it was difficult (laughs) how did you how did you found this out how how did it come along because you know what is interesting to see is perfect synchronicity the universe works is always a magic way and perfect synchronicity is always there right on time that you would have never thought about it but how did you how were you exposed to coaching Honestly, it was it was
1: the universe talking to me. I was I was on the internet, and all of a sudden, this this came up. Coaching came up, and I'm going, "Wow, what is this?" And when I saw that it was helping people create their future, I knew that that was where I was headed. And so I researched. There were a bunch of schools, of course. ICF at the time, the International Coach Federation, was the umbrella for for certification. So that's where I tried to make sure that I went to a school that was under their auspices. So uh, that was that. And once once I finished my degree in coaching and started to promote my business and started to get clients, I realized I was coaching corporate people and I was not in the corporate world. So I went back to school and I got my master's in management and leadership, which was fabulous. So I had given myself the foundation to really understand what's going on in the corporate world. So how, so how
0: is, so how is the, the, because you mentioned that you were, uh, you realize you were a coaching uh, corporate, how people approached you? How did you got to be known or for people to come to your business, especially when you start corporate? Uh, maybe it was probably easier before than it is now, but I'm curious to know how did they know you, How did they come and approach you?
1: Honestly, I think it's easier now than it was before because I was an introvert, but knowing that I was in a business, I had to start marketing myself. So I did a lot of presentations. I gave away a lot of pro bono coaching. To help people understand what it was and the value that it brought to one's life, I joined the Chamber of Commerce. Um, I ran weekly business groups of people locally to help them with their business, uh, more of like a networking group. And then yep. I started the um, Sarasota Coaches Alliance in Florida, which was one of the lo- It's now one of the largest coaching groups that's still in existence.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. You have spent a lot of time doing a lot of things. Like we're talking right now, networking. People are talking networking. But at that time, it wasn't being called networking. Uh, But it's fantastic. So when you uh, graduated and got your uh, master's, so what did you do? What was your next step? Did you continue to pursue within the corporate world? Because um, it is mentioned and I mentioned uh, that you have worked uh, around the world. So how did you expand your business? How did it come about?
1: Well, I was hired. It was all networking. A woman colleague of mine got a, a position with a company that was worldwide. And then that was it. We we started branching out. I was hired to go and do a coaching for Northrop Grumman. And then it just kept rolling from there. And then the connections I made locally um, helped too. I worked with a lot of women in the beginning who were entrepreneurs themselves, a lot of financial planners. And what I've noticed is that entrepreneurs are great at what they do. They really are great at what they do, but they don't know how to run a business. And so, when I realized that that was missing, that was sort of the niche that I got filled in with. What I helped them to create their business, the business plan, the strategies, how to be successful um, in their business.
0: That's a lot of passion. So that's wonderful. So, have you, um, as of today, what do you would you say were your biggest challenges? If any, you have seen that along your path to get where you started to where you are now, and what are where are your biggest wins? What are the sweet spot that you remember <laughs> and just like, yeah, that was great. That was a great project. That well, was- one of,
1: one of the challenges, it wasn't really. It, it was a challenge, but it worked out to be a great a great opportunity. I coached myself out of my marriage. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny, but this is funny. Okay. (laughs) Yep. Right in the middle, right in the middle of my semester of coaching, I realized I was not in the right marriage and um, coached myself right out.
0: But you know what? To me, it's at least you, uh, it's what walk the talk. You follow your um the process you did not because a lot of people you know it's easy to give advice to others but it's very hard to follow our own advices Mm -hmm. and you kept your word to your own self you were authentic enough to come to the realization something wasn't working Mm -hmm. and you did what it was necessary for you to move out of it which it was for probably for the best for you and your ex-husband so everybody has a happier life today than be miserable Absolutely. So I, th- I think, I think it's a great things. I don't think it's a bad things. And if people see it bad, then they need to think twice because at least you cap your own words and your authenticity, which to me, when you're talking about coaching, then you're more trustworthy to work with because you follow <laughs> your own words. So for me, well, it's like I yes. think
1: as a coach, you have to be into self-awareness. You have mm-hmm. to be willing to look at your blind spots, because those are the ones that prevent you from your brilliance. I mean, they just stop us. I mean, risk-taking, which risks do I want to take? Fears come up, being able to look at one's fears. I mean, when I started to see how important emotional intelligence was, Mm -hmm. I decided it was time to go back again to school and become certified in emotional intelligence and emotional literacy. So many of the leaders that I was coaching really were, la- they were lacking in emotional literacy. And you can't, if you don't know what you're feeling and how you're feeling, it's very difficult to make that authentic connection with someone else.
0: Absolutely. Especially for leaders, because you know, I always say the cancer starts at the top, which means if you got a good leader, then you got a fantastic company, you got happy employees. But if mm-hmm. you have a bad leader, then that's where the trouble starts. And mm-hmm. being able to help them to transform themselves, because that's a transformation they're going to have to go in their journey. It's not only, and correct me if I'm wrong. But when you go in, it's to help them to live better. But the changes come within themselves as they go through the process. Maybe it's not that pleasant once a while, but through the process, they become a better person.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they're so focused on performance and mm-hmm. the, the ROI and, you know, budgets and numbers that they're missing who's doing that, who's yes. performing that for you. And that humanistic compassion and empathy is really really missing for many of them. And so I would say the desire for self-awareness is one of the key characteristics missing in leadership today in in the many leaders that I've seen.
0: And that's kind of sad uh, in one way to see this, because there should be the empathy, it should be the awareness, the they should be there and, and really understand they are at service to the employees. And mm-hmm. I don't think they understand that as well. Like uh we talked earlier, your work has been at a service for others. That's why that's your dharma. Mm-hmm. And choosing the path you have chosen has impacted not only one person at a time, but I'm talking about thousands of people because when you went and have done all of the work with those leaders, it trickled down to everybody else's. It's like the domino effect. I always use, like to use the domino effect. When we do something, we are like the first domino that will fold and it impacts a lot of people, even people beyond who we see. Because every time we do something, we're impacting our outer con- outside, our outer conditions and everybody around it. To the other opposite end of the Earth, indirectly, but it's amazing to see what you have done. Um, have you written any books, or are you planning on doing and writing? <laughs> just checking. I was like, No, am I? I'm no, not I, writing anything. I, at some point, I might, but I'd like to go
1: back and 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 address that topic that you just mentioned—the ripple effect. Yes. I was coaching the vice president of human resources for a very large defense contracting company. And it was an eight month contract. And every week I would go there and talk with him and work on things. And I I don't know, by the end of the agreement, I said to myself, and I actually said to him, (laughs) so-and-so, I I don't feel like I've made an impact here. I don't feel like I've, I've really serviced you. And he goes like this to me, Linda, you may not, you may not know what you've done, but I will tell you, you saved my marriage. And I'm like, wow, I never expected
0: that. (laughs) You know, it's amazing when when listening to you and what you have done and others have done as well, is we only see the person in front of us, but we don't see actually the extent of how much impact we've got on people. And transformation uh, comes from the inside. And a lot of people don't understand when we're talking about coaching, uh, especially when you're talking about the leadership, the leaders, it's also an transformation for their own self. It's not only how to be a better leader and serving the people in the company, but it's really resetting the balance for that individual to rethink about everything in his family or her family and really learn to be more aware of what they are doing, not only at work, but at home. It's really changing the people inside out.
1: Mm-hmm. It's behavioral it's yep. looking at one's values, looking at one's strengths, and how do I use those for, mm-hmm. the, for the better of my life and for others? I mean, I had a, um, a client who was extremely, extremely angry, and I was brought in to either help him make the transition to becoming a better leader or they were going to fire him. Now that's not a great place to be in for a coach. I don't, I don't really relish those opportunities, no. but I was put in that position. Um, and he never really could see his anger until we dug a little deeper and realized he was, he was in grief. He was grieving over a daughter he had lost when she was 16 in a car accident. And so never properly dealt with that grieving. And so that anger showed up every day and how he treated
0: his report, the people that reported to him. Wow, that's amazing. Very and th- sad. It, it, it is-, is very sad, but it's amazing. And it probably changes life forever and was able to grieve. Um, I understand grievance. I understand to put the lid on it and ignore it until it balls, you know, bundles up and it stopped the lid start to open up a little bit and you put it down and until you realize you really have to be aware of yourself because i have done that for grieving that wasn't human that was my pet that was my boy my my, i call it the love of my life i lost him i knew i was losing him because the poor thing was 20 years old that was my cat the persian and for the first month i was okay the second month i started to feel that anger but i was aware of it that was the difference. It's the mm-hmm. awareness. And I That's started right. to want it to project it. And I'm like, okay, we got a problem. I have to figure that out how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, like you said, it was angry. really worth something underneath. And you, you know, this is where you see how wonderful and great of the job you did is not to ignore. You went and figured out where was the source of that anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that saved probably, I don't know if, if he was married or not, but if he was, that probably helped him in his marriage and help at work at the mm-hmm. end of the day to be able to realize and feel the human side of us, what we have to feel, which is not pleasant every day. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, there's also the fact that people who <clears throat> now what I'm noticing is that the corporations are really having uh People step up and become internal coaches within the organization, as well as sometimes hiring external coaches to come in. And uh, if you don't pay for it somehow, it has to be an agreement. You have to want to be coached because I can see those who are asked to be coached and didn't really want to be coached There's a big difference.
0: Yes, that was the next question too. is when you come into companies and you have done that, I'm sure and you have experienced that multiple times, when people are willing to be coached and they know they need help, they are more open to change quickly. But when you're being imposed by um, by the corporation that you're going to go through coaching and you're like, "No, I don't have a problem. why would I have that how? were you able to break down those barriers or the walls that you're going to face from people who are looking at you like, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: Uh, no, I'm not going to help you. It can be a challenge. Sometimes yes. a lot of the coaches use assessments. And the 360 is an assessment that a lot of coaches use because you're asked to interview six to 12 other people that work with you it's all supposed to be confidential but they answer questions that really reveal a lot of information about your behavior and so when that assessment comes back that's a sit down heart to heart of this is what people think of you this is how you look to others and at that moment it's either a wow you know i i guess i do need it this is I could use the help here. Or there's resistance. And they just go through the motions and
0: pretend. That, uh, so how do you deal with individuals who pretend? (laughs) It's not easy. I'm sorry, because I have (laughs) a question, because I'm like, oh my God, if you know they're pretending, how can you really get through them to make them understand? I really
1: haven't had a lot of that, Um, but I did have a couple and it, you know, it's just keeping moving forward and exploring where their resistance and what the resistance might be. Um, Usually it's a closed heart. Something has happened that they don't trust and trust is huge in a coaching relationship. And if you can't trust the person that you're working with, you're not going to get the results. That you really want so it's it's me having to be responsible to take Mm -hmm. that on and say what what do I need to do to help bring down the barrier I never blame that person it's always about me what 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 do I need to do now and if that's not working let me try something else and most of the time it's being honest you know I'm not feeling The connection here, what do I need to do to help you feel more trust with me or more open with me? What would that look
0: like? Well, yeah, because when, uh, like we said, uh, when you get somebody that comes in and uh, you have no choice, but you have to face that person, then you become enemy number one in that room. So you have to gain the trust that you're not there to do any harms, but you're there to help them to Mm -hmm. overcome whatever challenges they are facing at that time. So that must be extremely challenging. And I'm sure all the coaches uh, are handling uh, probably a different way. The question I have for the 360, uh, because I'm not a huge fan of a lot of things, uh, especially when you talk assessment, (laughs) I got a very bad experience in the past about assessment. That was so wrong and it was terrible, but that's okay. Um, Is it possible, because I have seen this in Iran, where some people will take a stab at some other people because they did something during their year, they didn't like it, and they hold grudges. Have you ever, um, when you're reading those, felt that maybe some of them were a little bit more like uh, resentment about maybe an incident that happened and the people hold grudges or anything like that when you see back those assessments? Or do you feel that the people who are um, answering those questions anonymously are honest? It's a good question.
1: I, I'm not sure. I, I really think that it takes a good coach to really sit down and see what, what's real. And usually people say, you know, yeah, I guess that could be me, you know, or you know what, that isn't, that doesn't, doesn't feel like me at all. And I'm not sure where they're coming from. You know, there, there's so many different ways to, to look at what's happening, especially with assessments. I mean, there's the Enneagram, there's the Hogan, there's the 360, there, there's a gazillion amounts of, of assessments, but you want to make sure that you're assessing the right thing.
0: Yes. And that's the key, assessing the right thing. So that's why when I'm hearing a little bit feedback from other people, I'm a little bit wary because I'm like... Mm-hmm. Some people can hold grudges and trust me, they can translate it very well on a piece of Mm -hmm. paper, which is not only the reality, but could throw a curve to the the assessment and to what needs to be done. But But you know
1: what? You can also take that resistance and say, you don't see that it's not for you. You don't align with that, but let's give it a try. If it were you, and this Mm -hmm. was something that, more than one person noticed. What would what could we do? What would you do in order to shift how that how that's being in your life? How you're being in this situation? Let's try a practice. If that practice doesn't work or doesn't feel right, we don't need to do it. But at least there's a willingness and an openness to try
0: something new. I like that. I like that being uh, willing and open to try. So can you share maybe a success? Can you had? something, a story that would make you smile every time somebody says, oh, what was successful? Or what did you do that really, you know, inspire you at the end of the day?
1: Well, I have to say everyone I've ever worked with inspire me. And it's really a privilege and an honor to work so closely with individuals to help them navigate uh, to a more joyful life and a career so I'm inspired by by all of them um, and they all make progress in in the way in which they can you know some can do it in six months they're done I have somebody with me seven years um, an executive in a in a very large corporation and he's in a very big position and mm-hmm. some of it's coaching and some of it's just being a good listener because He doesn't really have anyone he really can share with. So we have that. Um, Then there's those that I've coached who came to me confused. I don't know what's wrong. I think I need another job, another career. I'm not happy. And all it was was they were missing feeling connected to their team. There was a lack of response. There was a lack of trust and they didn't know that that was missing. That and so the deep impact. connection to mm-hmm. their team made all the difference.
0: They, the joy of going to work came back again. That is wonderful to be able to see this and help those corporation and the people. Uh, do you have people, I have to ask, do you have people that you have coached in the past and still once in a while will send you an email and say, hey, by the way, I'm doing good. <laughs> just give you a heads up. I just want to say hi today. Yes. Occasionally, not often people just
1: go off and that's it. Or usually I like to check in and I like to say hi and see how they're doing.
0: Oh, good. Mm -hmm. That to me is great because generally when a coach is done, uh, I'm not seeing any that I know uh, will do what you're doing. Like go back and just check on them and say, hey, how are you doing? How is everything going? Is uh, you're in the right path? Everything mm-hmm. is going well? Yeah. So that is wonderful. So you said you might be writing a book maybe later on. Do you have any um, training course or anything like that you would like to develop as well or not? Because you get so much knowledge. <laughs> seriously,
1: no I've been told I've been told I need to write a book, but yeah. i haven't I haven't gotten the message yet of what I'm supposed to be writing, and I usually take the time to listen to those messages that I get, yeah. and it hasn't come through yet okay yeah, so
0: training wise uh because you have um you have done a lot of trainings, you have done a lot of certifications and you continue to do so. So are you thinking to maybe create a training with everything you have learned? Because you you know, every coach has their own styles. Are you planning on doing some kind of training or something like that? So people can, um, you can share your knowledge? Not yet.
1: Okay. It still hasn't evolved. I'm still learning. I am really a lifelong learner. And what I do is I'm able to accumulate the knowledge and then I practice it. I put it into practice with my um, clients and with my family. And because if you learn how to lead your own life, you will learn how to lead others.
0: So I'm big on that. (laughs) Oh, I agree with you. It it starts with us. We are the ones who have to practice on whatever we do. If we're a master in our own field, then... That's mean we have been practicing and practicing before we go in the world with a journeyman and do our little practice until we're good and then we can become a master. Um, I'm a
1: big believer in collaboration. So I'm looking for a partner because I'm, I know that there's, there's something about when two or more are gathered, the future is created. And I am far more smarter when I'm in collaboration with somebody else. So, okay.
0: That's good to know. And I will not be surprised because we talked before and I just, I don't know. I said I had to stalk you to get you here and talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the listeners, no, Linda did not voluntarily come first, okay? I had to come and talk to Linda first because I wanted to know who she was and I don't know why. I said, I look at Linda. I'm like, I have to talk to Linda. I want her on my podcast. Do not ask me why. It was like...
1: <laughs> I remember, I remember, what did I ask you? I said, why me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, I think I said the universe. It was the universe. It's like, you know, it's, I saw you and I said, I want you on my podcast. I do not know why, but the universe said, we need Linda on a podcast. I said, okay, well, let's do it. <laughs> 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 this is, sorry, I'm sorry, Linda. <laughs> but so um, through all of the years you have done this, what have you learned about yourself that you don't know that when you were younger, uh, younger, you would have said to your own self, okay, I learned this about me, but I didn't know. Oh my God.
1: Emma, that question. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've been on a journey for about self exploration my whole life. Yes. It started at 14. So I just keep learning lessons and lessons and lessons. I think right now I'm learning about detachment, that it's great to have an intention and it's great to uh, have a goal and it's great to want that to come to fruition. However, being attached to the outcome is what causes stress and unhappiness. So when I'm creating an intention or want something to, to work on, I just get into the zone of creating it. And yep. whatever happens, I'm grateful for wherever it lands. And being unattached is really the gift.
0: <laughs> it is. And because otherwise it turns into an obsession. And I always mention when I talked about it, that you have to learn to co-create but one thing you have to learn is look at the goal. Don't look at the how, because the universe so in perfect synchronicity will guide you there. And sometimes your goal at the beginning, you've got the form you've got, be open, keep an open mind because what comes along will, might not be what you were thinking at the beginning at all. It mm-hmm. could be something different. If you don't, if you're so set on a specific form, then you're not going to get what is for your highest good. You maybe get something, could be like I call it the half baked. <laughs> I only eat a half baked in ice cream. Sorry.
1: <laughs> Otherwise, I don't. So,
0: but you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm, yes, absolutely. you have to be open to see what, um, what the universe has because the universe may be going to make you explore something and be curious, like be a student of life. Yeah. And when you get that uh, mindset of student of life, miracles and things coming your way are amazing. Mm-hmm. I think that
1: anything is possible has become a mantra for me. Yes. And that really is true. Anything is possible. And to come into a challenge or any kind of a situation with that kind of frame of mind is magical.
0: hmm Absolutely. It's it's absolutely ma- magical and to see uh because I like to be the observer see the miracles. I think people when we talk about miracles they're expecting a big boo ha ha of uh, you know a palette of a billion dollars just sitting on my driveway. Great, but this is not what I call about miracle is to see how the universe works and step back and look how things happened. It's very interesting to watch universe working it's magic to me it's amazing mm-hmm. always been miracles Things you, yes ask and you shall receive and it's like okay i that's why i do a lot of conversation with the universe on a daily basis mm-hmm. and uh seeing how they can help and seeing it in motion is amazing so it's wonderful what you said about the detachment uh especially when you got goals and dreams And always, as I said, when you ask for something or you set your intention, it's always in a present tense. Do not use future tense, present like you already have it. Mm -hmm. That's what it
1: is.
0: Yes. So -hmm. that's amazing. So on all of your journeys, so to become a coach, to do what you're doing right now, what's going to be next? What are you plans? So do you have any ideas of what else you're going to learn? Or are you any idea where you're going to, what you're going to do next in your learning?
1: Well, I was honored to, I was offered a course at um, ASU Global Th- Thunderbird Global Management. So I'm taking that course now. And that is absolutely exciting because it's, it's creating the future in technology and what's going to happen to leadership globally. And uh, it's called the fourth industrial revolution. So I don't know where it's going to take me, but I know that when I continue to follow the juice, I call it, or the passion, it always leads me to something else, So Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where it's going, but this
0: course is just amazing. Good, that sounds exciting, actually. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It it really is. Yes. And it was offered free. Oh, well, even better.
1: Yeah, yeah. it really was a gift. I don't know, it just appeared, somebody told me they were offering, um, I think 100 or 1000 learners to go through this course. It's a graduate course. It's just phenomenal. The, the resources and they're talking about the new leadership and what that new leadership is going to look like. And honestly, I'm thrilled to see the words compassion and empathy and collaboration. And I'm like, wow, this is this is what I've been praying for for a long time for the shift.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, we talked about also when I talked about leadership, that leadership should be taught in school at a very young age. I believe that that should be part of the core curriculum, even in kindergarten, actually, the youngest, the younger we can uh, tap into it, the better it will be for children because the lack of understanding what leadership, empathy, um, kindness, uh, respect, everything that goes into creativity, understanding, collaboration, Uh, And working together, not against each other or in competition, um, would help to form better leaders and bring more individuals and kids who have the capability, because we all have the capability to create, to do things that are absolutely amazing, doesn't matter where you're born. But to me is the lack of it doesn't give the right path for the people who have so much potential.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think that coaching will eventually move into the high school or the middle school. I really think that that's where it needs to go. And um, I do believe that that will happen. And. I know for me, I do um, a, lot of bit, a lot of pro bono coaching in the nonprofit sector, and that has been extremely rewarding.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Yes, I can imagine that because uh, the young generation need to have those tools. Uh, it's very difficult. And I, I'm gonna have a podcast with somebody who, her name is Jessica, who was actually a VP at the age of 28 but had absolutely no leadership skills. Oh,
1: so wow. it,
0: yes, and it was a challenge for her. And I'm going to be talking to her because she created her own business afterwards. But her story is going to be interesting to hear because when you don't have the foundation and the base uh, to be a good leader and you're liking it, it's very difficult if you don't have a coach or somebody like you to support them in their journey to help them to get that foundation. Correct. And that's what we're lacking the most. Um, I think it's confidence.
1: I think in high school, when I look back, you know the, the bullying, you know, it wasn't called bullying then, but it, it's there's a really a pull towards one's confidence to be pushed down, that you're not good enough, and you know that's part of being the human nature. you're not good enough, you, you, you know those kinds of things really are embedded. In, in a junior high and high school person. And to have a coach that says, you can do this. You have the strengths. Here they are. I have my strengths on my desk all the time. Here's my values. Once you can identify your values, then that's how you live your life. I don't make any decisions that are not based on my values. Mm-hmm. And to teach that to a middle schooler or a high school. That's pretty powerful. It's giving them a lot of confidence to make great and
0: good decisions. Oh, absolutely. And change the course of their lives, actually. Mm -hmm. We'll change the course of their life to become become limitless, actually. And that, to me, is extremely powerful. And we should have this in school, not only in private school, but it should be Mm -hmm. everywhere and taught. Because I think that is a big quality that is missing. And it's too bad that most people don't feel they, you know, they can do it. They can believe in themselves. That's the the hardest part. So I I give you kudos for going into um, corporation and help business owners and help leaders to be able to find themselves and really see who they truly are. So they can excel in their life. Not only at the professional side, but absolutely in a at the personal side, because there is such an impact that you don't see and we don't see actually, but the people around them are feeling the difference it's making a huge difference. that's why coaching you said there is some people who do it internally. I'm a little wary about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unless you yeah. have the training, that's good. But if they don't have the training, it's like, okay, you know, you have to, you know, you have to be professional and understanding what the coaching is in order to call yourself a coach. So um, when I see um, uh, people who come from um, outside and have the right coach, it makes a huge difference in the life of mm-hmm. others. And that's wonderful. And,
1: you know, not everybody's the right fit. I mean, yeah. you just... Just because you're referred, it doesn't mean it's, it's the right fit. But most of it, I would say 99% when a referral comes, it's always the right fit. But when that, you're just matched up with somebody, like when I do pro bono, they match me with somebody from the company, that may not be the right fit for somebody. And being able to say that and identify, you know, I'm not, I'm not the right person for you.
0: That's, a, that's an important piece. It is. So if this happens, do they rematch them with somebody else's? Or are you able yes. to talk to those guys back and say, okay, this is the kind of person that person needs mm-hmm. and help them? Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. I think it's, it's a great of service. At least you're honest. And I like that because at least you're not wasting the person time, neither mm-hmm. yours, because you're matching them to the right person. So that to yes. me, is a huge point uh, as well. So through all of the giving back to the community and working as, quote unquote, serving uh, the community, what else do you do on the side, at the exception of your uh, coaching? Do you do other activities and charity or not? Well,
1: it's mostly giving back with coaching. I'm able to best serve in that regard. Is that what you were looking for? Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what else you want to know about my life, Emma? Come on. <laughs> no, I'm not going to ask anything else because I don't want to enter too much in your life. I know that. And you want to show, I wanted to uh, to ask you if you were, you know, because I do give to charity and other things like that, that I don't even have because I do animal causes. And I was just curious to know if you were doing something like that outside of your coaching, because as you said, you, you do, you're doing both things. You, you're working with the coaching and you're giving back with your coaching, which I think mm-hmm. it's so empowering uh, to do that. And I'm sure the people who have met you, you have make a huge difference in their lives, um, especially you. for the nonprofit when people really need help and they don't have the means to be able to have a coach. I think it's fantastic to do that. Um, you. I, you have worked with people around the world um what is the most challenging part of it to work with with people who are not here in the u.s but have a different from different countries what were your biggest challenge if i may ask
1: um i haven't really done a lot of coaching outside of i'm working with a group now from uh, the uk and um I'm on Zoom with them, and that that seems to work. But time, time, time is the the zones that seems to be a challenge, and uh, culture, um, understanding someone's culture. I think that's really important before you can really coach. I I also a course came up on diversity, equity, and inclusion in in uh, the I think it's called the University of South Florida. And I took that last year and I got certified and I really felt like it was what I needed to open up to understand that culture is a big thing. And mm-hmm. maybe I maybe I don't know how to coach somebody from Vietnam or how to coach somebody from India. Mm-hmm. There 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 are things you need to know. So. Um, I just keep learning in order to expand my abilities and know when I can't.
0: I love that. And I love your honesty. I love your your authenticity. That's what makes uh, you to be trustworthy when you're approaching uh, a client actually, because it's not easy to have um, somebody that you do not know sitting in the front of you is gonna supposed to be helping you. <laughs> like, okay, who are you? What do you want? But being able to be that authentic and open hearted makes a huge difference. So to me, I wanted to talk to you about uh, what you have been doing and your leadership. And you have answered all of the questions within the hour, which has been fantastic. So I'm Thank very you. humbled and uh, very happy to, uh, to have spent this hour with you. If people want to connect with you, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Uh, my website, evokingexcellencecoaching.com. Okay. They can take a look and see who I am and what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, an email address is okay too Linda Waman95 at gmail.com. Okay. They can drop me a message.
0: Do you do speaking engagement?
1: I haven't really. Why not? I di- I've done it in the past. I don't know. It just hasn't come up. <laughs> okay. So,
0: for people out there, I think you need the speaker. Linda would be a great speaker, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I'm asking because he comes right now. It just came up in my head. It's like, do you do speaking engagement? We should have a speaking engagement. With you. <laughs> Talk about leadership.
1: Well, thank you. I'm working with uh, somebody out of the UK on uh, generative leadership. We're doing a panel on the January June 22nd, I'll be on a panel. That's the first time I've done anything in many, many, many years.
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: That is fabulous. It's bringing Eastern wisdom to the Western world. And it's really fascinating because we're, we're learning about the Bhagavad Gita and having how that relates to leadership.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. Uh, how can people access it? Can we access it? Or can we not access it? Or is it, just for specific. It's,
1: it's free, it's open to anybody who wants to come and listen. Um, they can look up Samir, S-A-M-E-E-R, Dua, D-U-A, on LinkedIn and you'll see everything there about the generative, he's, he's, he's the vice president for the Institute of Generative Leadership in the UK and Asia. I'm helping okay. to bring his course here to the United States.
0: All right. I will search this and put it into the description as well, then your website and your email so people can connect with you. But it was an absolutely honor and a pleasure speaking (laughs) with you. Thank you (laughs) very much. It was wonderful. Thank you, Emma.